This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am one of your hosts, Clark Rockfall, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, and I am joined by... And I am Swathananda Kumar, ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. Swatha, Happy New Year in 2023. Happy New Year, Clark. I think it's important to to take a moment and reflect on all that ACB has accomplished last year in 2022. How about you, Swatha? Yeah, and to help us do that, we have today, we have uh, no strange to ACB, Dan Spoon, Spoon, the president of ACB, and Eric Bridges, our our executive director. Hello, guys. Hi, Swatha. Hi, Swatha. Hi, Clark. Dan, uh, 2022 was quite the year. We were we were here at the end of 2021, coming into 2022, and this this little thing known as the COVID-19 pandemic was still persisting, and the federal government was launching a program of getting free at-home COVID tests to everyone. Can you talk a little bit about ACB's advocacy work to make sure that people who are blind and low vision were not excluded? from this federal program at the start of 2022? Two of our core values in ACB are flexibility and initiative, right? So we make plans, but then life gets in the way sometimes, and we really have to be flexible and and take that appropriate initiative to really move forward and, and seize the opportunity when it presents itself. So this year, uh, we really had the opportunity working uh, through the National Institutes of Health uh, to develop a relationship with the RADX team, which is a team that has been formed uh, underneath the National Institutes of Health and the the particular institute of NIBIB. And they own the responsibility of developing all of the home test kits that were used for testing the COVID virus. And uh, as we all know in our community, uh, those first rounds of tests were truly all totally inaccessible to us as blind and low vision individuals. And so, so with our efforts inside of the American Council of Blind and some of our other partners in the field of blindness, uh, we really worked to send a letter to the White House first and uh, to Health and Human Services and really uh, demand accessibility for these tests that were so important and critical for our members. And out of that, we really were able to initiate and form a partnership with the RADX team. They started in the end of uh, tail end of uh, 2021 into 2022, 
of pulling teams together for both the members from both the blind and low vision community as well as those suffering from difficulty with fine motor skills and the aging population, three different entities that were really struggling with the home test kits. And they uh, put uh, workshops together to hear our thoughts and our concerns. And out of that, they developed a really well thought out plan of how to make test kits more accessible. And ACB was in that from the beginning. We had, uh, I believe, five mm -hmm. members that participated in that first uh, town hall meeting where we discussed the, uh, the concerns and issues with the home uh, test kits. We had Clark was there, uh, Rockfall, our advocacy director. Uh, we had Kim Charlson, our immediate past president, Jeff Tom, who was president of AAVL at the time, and uh, a uh, board member with the American Council of Blind, as well as Claire Stanley, uh, who was a former advocacy specialist with the American Council of Blind. So we, we really had tremendous representation right at the beginning and have developed, I think, a pretty amazing um, partnership uh, with the RADx team. Dan, that's part of the strength of ACB as an organization, right? Where we have current staff and leadership along with, you know, like you mentioned, Kim Charlson, the immediate past president, uh, but who is still in a, a very prominent role in her uh, her day-to-day -day and uh, professional life at the Perkins Library, as well as Claire Stanley, former advocacy and outreach specialist, current co-chair of the Transportation Committee, uh, but also in, in her day-to-day -day employment life at National Disability Rights Network, as well as, as Jeff Tom, active in the national organization, but also president of Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. So what better organization to talk about the impact on people who are blind and uh, older Americans than, than someone like Jeff when it comes to the impact of uh, a federal program involving healthcare on people with disabilities? It's true. And, and, you know, of course, that has led through all kinds of advancements throughout the year at our convention this year. Uh, the first, uh, I wouldn't say 100% accessible, but, but pretty close to 100% accessible test for those with smart uh, phone devices uh, was launched, the Alum uh, test. And that was made available for members at our convention where they could take them home. Uh, it's been made available for, for those to uh, reply or, or um, reach out to the government website and receive their Alum test. Uh, we've also participated in helping create surveys on how well those tests were received. And our communications team and you and Swatha in the advocacy area all provided input on that to make those surveys truly accessible, which they needed some work when we first received them, remember? And then, and then by the end of the year, you saw the announcements that they have now uh, published their uh, intermediate standards and practices for accessibility for home test kits. And they've actually worked with the U.S. Access Board to make those, give those a permanent home 
uh, as, as guidelines going forward. And, and so we just continue to see a really uh, outstanding relationship that was forged through the advocacy of ACB. And this is just one example of our advocacy efforts in 2022. Uh, by no means it, have we reached a satisfactory resolution on this topic. This is definitely an example where accessibility is a journey not a destination. Dan, the accessibility of at-home COVID tests, uh, that is a perfect example of how advocacy is a journey, not a destination. We made a lot of great progress in 2022, uh, but there is still plenty of work still to be done in 2023. And this is not the only issue that we've worked on in the ad advocacy sphere. It's just a, a tasty morsel of ACB's advocacy efforts. So Swatha, uh, why don't you share with folks a little bit more about at ACB's advocacy efforts in 2022? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll bring Eric into as well. Um, so we, two of our letters to imperatives, our letters to seminar have been on accessible access to healthcare and access to um equipment and devices that can really improve improve our quality, our quality of life. Um, as well as uh, exercise and fitness, correct? Yeah. Um, so, you know, these are, these are areas that have been uh, very critical for our community down through the years, but the pandemic really highlighted a lot of the, the gaps that existed. And it's been it's been great for ACB to 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 lead on these issues, but also join in coalitions uh, with other disability groups to ensure that this this area of accessibility in healthcare, uh, you know, which also includes exercise and fitness equipment and and other things, that that this receives the attention that it's really uh, sorely needed for for decades now, and so you know, stuff like, uh, you know, medical devices and, and having them be accessible to us to, to be able to independently know our own numbers as it, as it were, or, you know, be able to privately and independently uh, understand, you know, our own health um, and, and be able to manage it and not having to rely upon others is, is really paramount. And then when you, when you think about just, you know, our, our, our committee, the get up and get moving committee and, and the campaign that we started in 2021 dealing with, you know, literally physical activity and ensuring that, you know, uh, you know, that, that all sorts of uh, different exercise equipment can be made accessible for our community. Uh, you know, we're now in 2023 and uh, the technology exists. It's already been proven. We've worked with companies like Peloton to ensure, as well as uh, Concept2, which was a big achievement in 2022, uh, to ensure that you know bikes and rowing machines and uh, treadmills are, are accessible to our community. And you know the healthcare and, and health and wellness stretches across a pretty wide spectrum, doesn't it, Swatha? 
Yep, it does. Um, from testing to at home devices, um, it's really this is one. It's one issue that we brought to remember the, remember the Congress through our list list seminar and just kind of speaking of list seminar. This has been a our second annual virtual 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 event, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> It it, yeah. And I and I'd like it to chime together. in here. It does. I'd like to chime in here because you know we talk about all these imperatives and we talk about you know advocating, but but I tell you, Leslie and I had an experience that really brought it to to reality and to light for for us just a few weeks ago at the end of 2022, when we were flying home from Las Vegas and got stranded in St. Louis with the Southwest debacle for for five nights and we ended up staying in a double tree by Hilton and there in their exercise room that comes for all people who stay at, you know, at a, at their Hilton to their double tree to enjoy. There was a, you know, a, a Peloton bike fully accessible and a true treadmill that was truly accessible that as a blind person, we could operate without any, you know, special need for people to come in from the hotel and help us and put tape and this and that on, on the devices. And it's truly life-changing when you have the independence to do those type of activities on your own and not in necessarily a, a situation in your own home where you have a lot of control, but when you've been thrown into a position where you have little control and how refreshing it is that due to our advocacy, this equipment now exists where we can be equal and independent uh, members of society and take advantage of an exercise room in a hotel that we've never been at before that wasn't pre-organized by a conference or a convention, but just a place we ended up. And so that really brings a smile to my face to see the impact that we're having. Yeah, and it shows our center of advocacy and extent of um, how much more, more work we need, need, need to do with space. So much more, um, just not Peloton, we need to extend it to other brands and other um, places as well. So speaking of expansion, Eric, uh, staff. Yes, so 2022 was quite an interesting year uh, for the American Council of the Blind's national office. Uh, we uh, said goodbye to a couple of employees. Um, uh, you know, Jennifer Flat, who was our manager of communications, as well as Tony Stevens, our director of development and communications, uh, left to. To pursue other opportunities, and they were they were wonderful teammates, and you know, we wished them well. And actually, they even though they were no longer part of of the the team here at ACB, they they uh, volunteered their time for the audio description awards gala, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But really thankful to have had them on the team and, and wished them well in their new endeavors. Um, we also. Uh, uh, Erica Keller, who worked with us, um, also left uh, the Minneapolis office to pursue an opportunity at the University of Minnesota. And uh, so that was all very much, you know, the beginning uh, first half of the year. And, but we also welcomed people. We welcomed uh, Rick Morin, 
as a full-time employee last year. He joined us in March as a as the uh, manager of ACB Media and uh, also IT for the organization. And that's a as a new full-time position. And Rick has done a, a wonderful job of of managing ACB Media, uh, the you know some of the content as well as the uh, the back end guts of the the internet streams for acbmedia.org we've got 10 streams can you guys believe that 10 internet you know streaming uh opportunities many of which are used throughout the course of the year so uh rick was uh, obviously intimately involved with the hybrid convention uh and the success of that because it was hybrid uh also welcomed larry gassman to the team uh, as the, the ACB media uh, coordinator and working on a contract basis with us. And he's been wonderful to, to have on the team. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of stuff has, has happened. Um, here towards the end of 22, we announced the, uh, uh, the, you know, the hiring of Tabitha Kenlon, uh, who will be a guest on this podcast here soon as the audio description project coordinator. Uh, it's another area of growth for us, you know, a, a big program within the American Council of the Blind that has grown by leaps and bounds over the last five years. Um, so just a, a lot of, a lot of change. Uh, and then when you look at development and our fundraising mm-hmm. arm. Uh, Bill Reeder, who was a member of our advisory board, uh, retired in June of last year, uh, which sort of unintentionally coincided with Tony Stevens' departure. And he agreed to come on as a consultant uh, for the remainder of the year and also this year. And uh, with his uh, you know, decades of knowledge and fundraising. Also, his understanding of our organization as he was involved with us for the previous three years. Um, it has been wonderful to have him on the team. And with the the audio description project coordinator role being filled, it has enabled us to move Jolyn Bailey Page over to work full time on development with Bill and. Um, you know, we're looking forward to a great 2023. Uh, a lot of change, um, but ultimately uh, still a very successful 2022. And I'm really proud of the team and our ability to, to be flexible. That's one of our five core values. And we, we were really forced at times to exhibit that, <laughs> that core value in 2022. And we, um, we were equal to this task every time. And Eric, that a lot of change, but change resulting in positive growth for the organization, where we had few staff members wearing multiple hats, and uh, that hasn't necessarily been a, a sustainable model going forward. So now we have, uh, you know, an an increase in staff, but more defined roles for each staff member so they can be more focused, more dedicated 
to the task at hand. That's correct. And, and that has been a historical challenge in this organization uh, with regard to staffing. Uh, we're still not where you know, we need to be, but we are, we're moving ever closer. And each year we take another step forward. And, and uh, you know, several years ago, the board of directors of ACB made a, made a pretty fundamental uh, decision um, to seek to, you know, strategically invest in the staff in areas where there is a clear need, you know, where we had programs, you know, maturing or the members felt, you know, very strongly that, you know, additional staff could help the organization achieve more. And so thank you to Dan and to the board for the, you know, the, the support in all of this, because all of this, it costs money. Uh, it's the most expensive part of, of an organization are its people, but it's also, uh, you know, the, it can be the, the very best investment that you make uh, if you're able to, to choose and retain the right people, which while we went through some change this year, you know, it wasn't necessarily uh, negative, you know, that, that sort of happens as you get, as you grow, mm-hmm. you have more people and sometimes people elect to leave, but you know, the yeah. culture yeah, I believe is very good here and it, you know, we're, we're striving to do more and having more hands uh, here in the office to work alongside the members to, you know, achieve big outcomes. Um, we've been able to, to show that the last few years. And Dan, Eric talked about uh, what ACB has been able to achieve, um, the, the strategic decisions made by the ACB board, um, and the, the innovation that's taking place. I, I think the perfect example of this is the first ever hybrid ACB conference and convention. Um, can you share with folks kind of what went into making the decision to hold a fully hybrid conscien- uh, conference and convention this past summer? Sure. I, I really, you know, again, we've uh, had two plus years of the pandemic. We had our last two con- conferences and convention were in 20 and 21 were virtual. Our D.C. leadership uh, conferences in 21 and 22 were virtual. And the board really felt like it was time, you know, society was opening back up. It was time to give our members uh, an opportunity to come together. And yet at the same time, what we had learned from the two previous years was there was so much interest and demand for many individuals that just don't have either because of their work-life balance, their financial situation, they just don't have the the resources and the wherewithal to pick up and travel to a geographic location for a week plus. And so it was really important for our members and for our board, our staff, to look to a solution that would be inclusive for everyone. And so that was where the whole idea of a hybrid convention was born. Uh, If you think it's hard to do an in-person convention or to do a total virtual convention, it's even a little bit more harder than both of those to do both at the same time. 
but I really felt that our staff came together with our members and just uh, knocked it out of the park. We were in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. We had wonderful tours. We were back to having an exhibit hall. We really were able to leverage uh, the changes in our constitution and allow to have independent and accessible elections for all, including all members of ACB. So whether you were participating in the conference and convention or you were just a member, everybody who was a member was entitled to vote. And we had really good turnout and excellent elections uh, where we elected five new, um, five members of our board of directors. Uh, two returning members and three new members, as well as three members of our board of publications. So we had eight elections to uh, conduct, as well as a series of resolutions. I think we had 22 resolutions that came before the body, as well as several constitution and bylaw amendments. So what it uh, entailed with our existing constitution is you know, we were uh, kind of in a position to get it all in. We had uh, virtual activities uh, the, the week before the in-person portion of the convention. And then we had the in-person portion of the convention. And then we had some final voting days after the in-person portion of the convention. So it ended up being a, a very long, fairly long period of time. And I think we learned a lot from that. And I was really proud of the fact that our members and staff had the patience to kind of work through it. We'd never done it before, all this voting, where we had to get votes from both the ballroom in person and those on the Zoom platform and pull them together and make sure everybody had an opportunity to participate in whether they were in the in-person venue or on Zoom. And so it, I thought it overall, it, it really worked out well. It took longer than we had maybe originally thought to get through the whole thing. And then in the middle of that, to be totally honest, we dealt with what so many conferences dealt with where they came mm -hmm. back to person. We dealt with folks, you know, testing positive uh, occasionally throughout the week for COVID. And so I even got hit. <laughs> you got you got you got to spend a few days in your hotel room, didn't you? I did. Going I did. Yeah. So it, um, you know, and several I, other of us like were tested positive once we got home. So it's it was yeah. uh, it was a challenge in many ways, but in like most things in ACB, I believe everyone came away feeling everybody had choice, everybody had opportunity. And I, I think it was just a really good feeling that we got out there and got together and did it and, uh, and learned a lot from it. And Eric, I'll pivot to you with, with this next uh, uh, statement slash question. Uh, ACB has been really good and shown over a series of decades that nobody knows how to host an in-person convention like ACB. Uh, we're fortunate to have volunteers like Janet Dickelman and Rhonda Trout who just bang it out of the park every time. And then during the pandemic, we really built up the muscle memory of holding virtual events and virtual 
conventions. But a hybrid convention isn't necessarily one plus one equals two, right? <laughs> it's because you're you're using all of the same staff that's uh, you know on the clock twenty four seven for an in person convention, and then you've got your your staff and volunteers on the clock twenty four seven for a virtual convention, and now you're combining the two at the same time for a hybrid convention. So it's more like one plus one equals three or four. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> would, true. would, would this hybrid convention have been possible without the growth of ACB media and the addition of a Rick Moran and a Larry Gassman? Would this hybrid convention have been possible without the ACB community and the community hosts and volunteers? No, it, it's it is a shining example of of you know the the ACB uh, team, the employees working hand in glove with with the members. Uh, Deb Cook Lewis played a tremendously huge role. You know, she's our first vice president, but she was involved in so much of the logistical, uh, you know, virtual Zoom stuff. Uh, and and worked with Rick and, and as well as Nancy Becker and you know you you mentioned the hosts um, you know we couldn't have done you know all of this uh, you know I can't I can't envision a scenario where Clark and Swatha and Eric and Kelly and Sharon and others are all hosting all these events virtually but at the uh, at the convention as well, that just wouldn't have worked. It, it took literally, you know, a, a, a team of, of members, of, of passionate, dedicated members to assist uh, in, in pulling off the, you know, the, the virtual components of this. And a lot of that is in, in great part, part due to uh, the work of Cindy Hollis and uh, training and and uh, putting putting together best practices for for how to do these things early on in the pandemic, and then you got to see it in all its glory during the during the virtual conventions of of uh, 2020 and, and 2021. But then last year you saw in person and virtual together, and there's a lot of good learning that we took from from last year. Uh, but there's there's no way that it could have been as successful as it was without uh, really the the effective uh, collaboration between the members and and the staff and and honestly just a tremendous amount of planning. Dan, when did we start those uh, Wednesday morning nine a.m. meetings? Um, I, I think uh, right at the end of March, beginning of April. So so truly you know, 12 weeks of meeting every Wednesday, uh, 12 of us, you know, to kind of continue to plan out and, and pull together all the pieces and parts of the, of the con conference and convention. Yeah. And, and you're truly right. I mean, oh gosh, I think we had 30 or 40 separate people that hosted hybrid events. You know, we had four rooms that were designed for truly hybrid functionality with screens in the rooms and and zoom capability and facilitators in the rooms and hosts 
uh, on the Zoom platform. Sometimes we had uh, most all of the presenters on Zoom, and sometimes we had most all the, the presenters in the room. So it was really being able to handle that capacity and capability no matter where uh, our members and our, our vendors and corporate partners were that, that wished to participate, uh, as well as, again, some, some really outstanding uh, presentations in the ballroom, again, with a, a big screen, uh, with uh, video uh, capability and the ability for folks to communicate if they were on Zoom or in the ballroom. So uh, really, really proud of what we were able to deliver there. And, and then the tours we had, trips down the Missouri River for dinner. We had the Malcolm X Museum. My favorite, which doesn't sound all that exciting and glitzy, was a pedestrian bridge walk where you could walk awesome. from, yes. from Missouri <laughs> to Iowa. You know, you cross the state line at the apex of the bridge. And we, I think we had 90, 80 or 90 people. We, we had one of our health heroes, Nike, uh, with Megan Lawrence, who kicked us off to walk across the bridge. Uh, Walmart, another one of our health heroes, was there to pass out water, and it was just, uh, we had the troll <laughs> that was there underneath the bridge that everybody got their picture with. I don't know. It was just fun to be outside. It was 93 degrees. <laughs> it was. It was not cool. Uh, yeah. So how was, that was a fun you know, a fun, easy opportunity for people to get out there and get moving and enjoy the, uh, you know, the atmosphere of Omaha. And Dan, we, we talked about the, the support of the, the community, the ACB community was started in, in March of 2020 out of the needs of our members and the broader community, like lowercase c community of people who are blind and low vision. Mm -hmm. uh, since that time, two years later, the community hit a milestone this summer. Isn't, an, isn't that amazing? We, we had our 10,000th community event. It, it, that's just, it's just hard to get you grab, put your arms around. I think we have literally touched, you know, 250,000 probably individuals who uh, individual touches of members of our, our of, of ACB and those who would like to learn a little bit more about ACB and it's just been such a wonderful environment uh, you know you never know what will come out of a crisis like the pandemic. And, and this truly, I think, was a silver lining for ACB and a chance for us to truly make lemonade out of lemons. And, and it's, it's uh, we're talking about this a little earlier today. Truly, you can become so engaged uh, with other blind and low vision individuals in such a short period of time. It, it truly has been a... I, I think a change agent uh, for the American Council of the Blind. There, it, there it, was so much going on in 2022 that we <laughs> ended up averaging right about at a hundred events a week. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Yeah. And it really makes me think of it, putting my advocacy hat on the Gettysburg address being the, of the people of people who are blind by people 
who are blind and for people who are blind Mm -hmm. and low vision. You know, it's it's of our community. It's by the American Council of the Blind for people who are blind and low vision. It's it's sessions hosted or moderated by people who are blind and low vision for people who are blind and low vision. And that's that's really exciting how our members, how the broader community have really stepped up to to reach out, to meet the needs and the desires of all people who are blind and low vision. You know, whether they're ACB members or not, whether they're in the United States or not. That's it's a really powerful tool that's been gaining a a lot of recognition and still still growing, which is also exciting. And Clark, yep. you mentioned advocacy by and for people, people disabilities. Um, do you want to talk about some, some legislation that, that we got introduced? Absolutely, Swatha. So we already touched on a couple of our legislative imperatives dealing with uh, the health and wellness sphere, whether that's accessible exercise and fitness equipment or accessible uh, durable medical equipment and home diagnostic uh, devices. But we, those are only a couple of our imperatives for the year. Two imperatives that we are very excited were introduced as congressional legislation in both the House and Senate here in uh, 2022, or I, I guess I can't say here anymore, there uh, in the last Congress in 2022 in September. We had the introduction of the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act, uh, thanks to Senator Duckworth from Illinois and, and Representative Sarbanes from Maryland. Uh, and we, we all know the, the barriers that our members, that we hear about in the national office on a daily basis on the difficulties to access websites, applications, or online services, whether that's for students, employers in the healthcare sector, uh, e-commerce, uh, or just media and entertainment. It's the technology, whether, you know, we talked about how technology has changed how folks interact with ACB, uh, technology, and certainly the reliance on technology has really touches all aspects of our lives here over the the, the past few years and even further back. So having clear rules of the road, um, having a clear national framework for online accessibility and inclusion of people with disabilities in digital spaces, that's really what the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act is all about. We're very grateful uh, that it was introduced thanks to our partners in Congress. We're also grateful for the, the support and the collaboration of our partners like the American Foundation for the Blind, the National Federation of the Blind, and National Disability Rights Network, who have been working with us hand in hand uh, to make this piece of legislation a reality. The other item that we've had introduced here in the past few months, albeit last year, was the Communications 
Video and Technology Accessibility Act. Uh, I know most folks in ACB are very familiar with the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, the legislation that required accessible uh, telephones as well as mobile or cellular phones. Um, the, this legislation, the CVAA, required the accessibility of mobile web browsers as well as advanced communication services such as uh, two-way text messaging, as well as two-way audio or voice communications. Uh, it's also the legislation that required audio description to be provided by broadcasters and by cable networks and has really spurred on the work of ACB's audio description project. Well, in 2022, 12 years after the passage of the CVAA, the Communications Video and Technology Accessibility Act was introduced by Senator Markey and Representative Eshoo. Uh, and the, the whole goal of the CVTA is to take the great work of the CVAA and modernize it, uh, to, to bring it forward, to build upon those gains from 12 years ago so that regardless of how people who are blind and low vision consume video content, uh, conduct their virtual business, whether for school, employment, or telehealth, that they have access to accessible video conferencing, and that we're not tied to legacy technology. You know, it doesn't have to be that audio description is only on broadcast television or a select few cable networks, but that wherever people who are blind access video content and wherever they live throughout the United States, they have access, uh, accessible access to video content with audio description. Uh, we are confident that our members will raise their voices in support for the Communications Video Technology Accessibility Act. One of the reasons that we are confident and we, we know that they are highly supportive of these advocacy efforts, Dan, is that this year, or this year being 2022, ACB held the second annual Audio Description Awards Gala. Can you tell us a little bit about that event that took place in November of 2022? It was so exciting. It was uh, November 29th. It was Giving Tuesday, and it was really an opportunity once again for ACB to showcase the wonderful work that we do with audio description. And this particular event is really, it's focused towards media and those and broadcast and streaming uh, that really have kind of taken those next steps of innovation and creativity. And so we had some wonderful game changers that we identified this year. Uh, we had wonderful stars that participated. I'll hit, hit a couple and Eric, I'd like you to join in because you, you were very uh, intimately involved in all this and helped lead the, the, the project for the second uh, AD awards gala. So I know one of the game changers that meant a lot for me was um, 
Paramount Global, which is kind of the parent company of CBS. And they really took an amazing step of this year announcing not because of the CVAA or the soon to be CVTA, but because it was the right thing to do for their customers that they are now offering basically 100% of their primetime shows with audio description. And now you're seeing that being passed on to their Paramount Plus streaming service. And that's just one example of a game changer that truly made a difference that we were able to recognize this year. Eric, do you have your favorite that kind of stood out for you? Well, another one that, that comes from, from CBS is that they did live audio description of the Grammys. And we were so fortunate that uh, Stevie Wonder was actually able to, to introduce that <laughs> as part of the, the gala. And so uh, Stevie Wonder, Ewan McGregor, uh, were two of the the stars that you know were part of the gala again this year which gave us uh, a lot of visibility um, interesting side note about ewan mcgregor his mom has been an audio describer for decades and uh, dr joel snyder reached out to her uh, in i believe uh ireland uh to or was it scotland i forget um to see if he would be willing to participate. You know, Ewan McGregor plays Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he did a really nice uh, 90 second video for our, for our gala. Uh, you know, there's so much that, that happens in uh, just a little over an hour. That's about how long <laughs> the gala is. It's a pre-produced, uh, you know, video that, that really, as Dan said, highlights companies that are doing a, doing a great job. One of the really cool aspects of our gala this year for the first time is we had a, a Audio Description People's Choice Award. And uh, there were 10 nominees, uh, 10 different, different genres from Celebrity Family Feud to Ted Lasso to Obi-Wan Kenobi to Law & Order SVU. Um, and uh, we allowed the, the community, we had the community vote for the winner. And as part of that, uh, when we announced all of this, it was really cool that the folks at StarTrek.com saw it and shared it, as well as a couple of the actors on the show saw their nomination and shared it. So we got even you know, uh, further reach, as well as Apple TV shared Ted Lasso's nomination. Uh, Obi, Obi Kenobi wound up winning, uh, which is, you know, it's a great show. The, the description, the writing, the, the narration is just tremendous. Um, uh, personally, I'm a huge fan of Ted Lasso, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the amount of work that went into this. Um, this is another one of these areas, Dan, where w we could not have done this just as staff. It, it took a lot of work. It, it did from the ADP uh, steering committee co-chairs, uh, Carl Richardson, Kim Charlson. Uh, you did a tremendous amount of work. Uh, you know, just a, a lot went on. Uh, even, you know, ACB media uh, simulcasting it. That was the other kind of neat thing for the second year in a row now. We had it streamed uh, live on 
on Pluto TV, which is Paramount, one of Paramount Global's streaming services. So uh, last year it was Peacock, this year it was Pluto. It was a big success. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of uh, the team and how we were able to come together. That, that was about, that was about uh, four to five months ahead, uh, you know, planning. Uh, our co-chairs were Matt Ader from Vispero and Karen Kenninger, who used to be the head of uh, the National Library Service. Uh, at the Library of Congress and uh, retired, and I asked her to to come on again uh, to to be part of this, and she she jumped at the opportunity. It was great to have both of them, and as well as uh, Doug Rowland, who is the the producer of the event and worked very closely with the script writing team, uh, as well as uh, you know the companies that we were getting the video assets from. It was very very great to work with him. And we had, uh, this was really cool. It was filmed at 30 Rock, New York, New York, right there, yeah. right? So in the studio, we had uh, Thomas Reed and Nefertiti that that went and, uh, you know, recorded their monologues and their, their hosting duties right there uh, in the 30 Rock studio. How cool is that? Uh, and then that was Comcast NBC that uh, Pro Bono provided that facility for us. And another example of events, um, initiatives by ACB and, and of ACB, and I might as well include for ACB because I'm, I'm on a advocacy in Gettysburg address kick here. Mark Lincoln. Got to grow a beard here. Yeah. <laughs> this would not be possible. Uh, again, without the support of ACB Media and, and again, without the engagement of the community. So just another example of how important those, those kind of programmatic and systemic changes at the organization, the evolution of the organization are to the work that we're doing. Well, yep. and once again, we go ahead, Swatha. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of the of support and from members and from um, our community, basically for AC Media. Um, Eric, can I talk about auction? Yeah. So, uh, what would you say, Dan? For about the last decade or so, we've been holding a a holiday auction. And that is correct. And a, it, it used to be ACB Radio, but now ACB Media Holiday Auction. I think our first one was in 2012. So this is the was the 11th one this year. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it has gone through its own evolution through the years and uh, with, you know, effective utilization of Zoom as well as uh, live streaming it. It's just incredible. It never ceases to amaze me, these auctions. People will just listen through ACB Media uh, and not not bid, not go into Zoom, but just listen. They get dozens and dozens of people listening mm. to other people bid on auction items. How wild is that? But in, in <laughs> it's all a honesty, spectator sport. It, it, truly is, is. it is entertaining. Yes. And, yeah. and uh, actually, Dan and Kim... Are, are great together as as auctioneers um but this year uh the the holiday auction that you know where the proceeds benefit acb media it raised over forty thousand four zero thousand mm -hmm. um 
which is just blew the doors off of previous highs and uh, rivaled the convention auction. Right, Dan? Uh, mm, oh, yeah. I think it actually exceeded the convention auction this year. Yeah. And I believe we had a 170 different items that were donated. So just such an outpouring of, of support with donations and people bidding. I mean, we had people that bid, you know, multiple hundred dollars for, for rum balls. bucks for some rum balls. Yes. Thousand yes, dollars um, yes. <laughs> to host karaoke for an evening. You know, it's, yeah, it was pretty exciting. For beef, burg and young. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so it, it was really exciting and, and so many people had an opportunity to get involved and, and it, it just felt like it, it led into so many wonderful events over the holidays, you know, uh, the, the friends giving that we do each year through the community where we, we truly give everybody a chance to have a place to be and a place to belong on Thanksgiving day. We, it just, the, outreach that that uh that the community has uh to help over the holidays and and that really kind of continued to lead into our uh third annual community a-thon which is an all-day new year's eve celebration from three in the afternoon eastern till three in the morning eastern so we make uh happy new year on the on the west coast and boy what a what a fantastic event that was with so many people calling in and sharing their stories of the community uh, throughout the year. And I think it did pretty well too, as a fundraiser, didn't it, Eric? Yeah. It raised over $11,000, which is outstanding. And to have that level of engagement, you know, on new year's Eve uh, is just so cool. And I, I heard it said, I, I tuned in a few different times, uh, that day. I like, I like going and listening, uh, through the, through the Amazon echo, mm -hmm. by the way, you can tell her to play ACB media and she'll ask you what channel and you tell her the number and boom, you're in. It's so easy. Um, but I, I listened and I kept hearing people say, well, this is our new tradition. Like this is what we do on new year's Eve. We hang out in here with our friends. The stories you hear of how we've connected with people and truly made a difference in their lives. And, you know, what else are we here for? You know, it's, it's so powerful uh, to hear the impact that, that ACB is having on folks. And I just, uh, boy, 2022 was a, was a interesting year. It was a difficult year, but it was also a very, very rewarding year. And I'm, um, again, Thankful to our, our ACB staff, our, our members, our leaders that really all came together and, and did so much for, for our community this year. We, we accomplished a lot, but there is still so much more ahead of us for uh, 2023. There is so much to look forward to as we move on into, into a new year. And Eric, any final thoughts on the year that was 2022? It was, um, it was challenging in a, in a number of different ways, but a lot of this, you know, is the dedication and the, the initiative that is shown by uh, the team, you know, here in the national office, as well as out in Minneapolis and now 
largely due to the pandemic, we've got people living all over the country that work for the organization and, and their ability to work alongside and work effectively with, you know, the, the member uh, leaders of this organization to accomplish big things. Because what we're, what we're doing these days, you know, we've always, we've never shied away from, from working on big issues, but there, we've got a lot of large events, a lot of big projects, and uh, we can't accomplish big things without uh, the help and, and knowledge of our members. And Swatha, uh, for you personally and professionally, 2022 was a big year. You were speaking on uh, panels for voting advocacy, uh, Washington, D.C. is starting to open up. So you're attending on behalf of ACB uh, industry events for autonomous vehicles and conferences. Is there anything that stands out as a highlight for you for 2022? This, I just, this year has been a, a big year for me growth wise. Um, I've learned a lot. I've learned I've gotten more involved, more involved in things. Um, I've definitely gotten more opportunities more to be to um, make my mark in ACB, and I'm really happy, really glad the opportunity came about, and I'm looking forward to growing more in 2023. Wasn't it nice to be able to start to go to meetings in person? It like, was, yes, it was. You know, you joined, you know, and you lived, uh, you lived in Illinois, right, for a time. Yep. And then moved out here, but there were still weren't a ton of in-person meetings other than coming into the office, right, for yeah, wow. no, yeah, this year has been quite a, last year has been quite a year of in-person events, so. Yeah. yeah. In, including uh, trips on Amtrak up to Philadelphia to do advocacy work with Amtrak. That's pretty yeah. cool stuff. Those are, always, those, are, those are always fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and still, still plenty of work left to be done. Um, if folks would like to learn more about the year that was, 2022. Uh, for the American Council of the Blind. Encourage everyone to check out the Braille Forum, uh, the issue that will come out here in January of 2023 with uh, plenty of articles from ACB members. And if you are a member, you'll be receiving the Braille Forum in the format of your choice, whether large print, Braille, or electronically. Uh, but if, if you're not a member, please visit the ACB website, which is acb.org. You can access the electronic version of the Braille Forum, but you can also learn about all of the work that is going on at the American Council of the Blind. Uh, here today, we have only scratched the surface. So please join us. Join the work we are doing. Help us move our advocacy work forward, help us build a more inclusive community for people who are blind and low vision. Um, and in doing so, uh, Swatha, we need to keep doing what we have been doing, what we've done in 2022 and what we hope to do in 2023. And that is keep advocating. This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota.
ACBM wants to send along heartfelt greetings to all of its family throughout the ACB community. Having hosted two outstanding and invigorating ACB national conventions, they are committed to expanding opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACBM supports the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship honoring one of its past members, and they continue to not let life during these challenging times slow down. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www acbminnesota.org or call 612-223-5543. ACBM, a supporter of the ACB Media Network.